Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. So I put a pot full of candy on the front step so it wouldn't blow away because it was windy. With an umbrella covering it. Came back, umbrella gone, pot <laughs> gone, candy gone. Mm-hmm. Unlike you, we do have bowls. She put candy in the bowl. She put it on the front uh, step. And I gotta say, everyone was very respectful. Nobody took the bowl. Mm-hmm. It was back. They put it in the tree. So our pot came back the very next day. Mm-hmm. So if we retire and I'm like hard up for money, I'll be like, hey, the, <laughs> the John and Dan tour. Mm-hmm. Now featuring stiff, not stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sir, let us frisk you. <laughs> Meow. Nothing here. Nothing here. Meow. You're listening to the Jay and Dan podcast. Pussy on the field. None of what we just heard made any sense. None of that made any sense. Rarely does. Maybe smoking something before that podcast. Hey, welcome to the Jan Dan Podcast for the week of November 11th. It's Remembrance Day. Remember our soldiers, those who fought for us. It's very simple. Um, and you don't say Happy Remembrance Day. It's not a happy occasion. Um, no Jay on right today. He's sick. Uh, Stoff, can we check in on uh, him? I think we've got a, a line to his house. Let's. <coughs> oh, Jay, are you okay? Jay, are you there? <coughs> huh. Okay, so he seems to be under the weather. Uh, yeah, Jay called in for the TV program last night, November 10th. Called in sick. For the first time ever. He's been at the network since 96. So he started behind the scenes and then uh, got a job elsewhere. Uh, So 96 up until 2019, he had no sick days. And I know what you're saying. He missed time this summer. That was vacation. He missed time when he had his baby. He had a baby. He wasn't sick. So this is the first time he's called in sick. So I have the new Iron Man streak on the show. I've been here since 2002. Zero sick days. And guess Guess what our bosses give us for that? Absolutely nothing. You aren't getting awards for, hey, thanks for showing up for work every single day. And now Jay's sick for a second day in a row. So maybe he's taking that uh, 20 some odd years of, um, of uh, sick days and just going to spend them all at once. So we wish him the best. I think he's just got a cough. He can't... Uh, he can't speak. He didn't even leave the house this past weekend, but on Thursday's show, he could barely speak there. So uh, he had the sniffles and then the coffees. So, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to have a special guest today. We're going to have um, a gentleman we spoke about on last week's podcast, Jesse Lumsden, Canadian sports royalty, who attended our podcast in... Is he, in he was in Saskatoon, right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah, we saw him in Saskatoon. So we'll get his take on the... Uh, uh, his uh, take on the podcast. Uh, Why not, eh? On the CFL playoffs, on bobsledding in next to nothing. Because then bobsledders, they not a lot of clothes. So Jesse uh, will join us. Uh, the Don Cherry stuff broke today. All I'm going to say is, in the past 10 years, there hasn't been a single year that went by where at least one segment of Coach's Corner, someone didn't say, uh, is he still doing this? And did he just say that? 
Gutho, he's an 85-year-old man. If I had an 85-year-old relative, I would not put them on national TV to say whatever they wanted. I'm just telling you that right there. I barely like having conversations in public with old relatives, let alone on national TV. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be the big story on SportsCenter tonight. Uh, We have our last Western Canadian stop of the 2019 Jay and Dan podcast tour. That's Regina this coming Friday. Uh, We just got an email from the promoters. They said a handful of tickets remain. I guess it depends on how big your hands are. Yes. And the next night, we're doing the Regina Pats game, the Experience Regina game. They sent us jerseys. Crank it stuff. Regina. Experience Regina. So all our Western Canadian cities, when you guys see a bump in tourism this coming summer or winter, you can thank us because uh, we've raved about every city we've been in and we will rave about Regina. We know this. Uh, I was speaking to my buddy, uh, Brian, the farmer, on the way into work. He's like, well, how was last week? He doesn't talk like that, I don't know. Uh, how was last weekend? He speaks like a normal human. He said, how was last weekend at Winnipeg, Saskatoon? I said, you should go. I said, you would love both cities. And he's like, yeah, I know. I, I don't know why I haven't been. You know why? Flying in Canada is too stupid expensive. It's ridiculous. If we had airfares like they do in America, where you can fly from L.A. to Vegas for under $100. I flew once for $79. You cannot fly anywhere in Canada. You can't get on the tarmac for $79 in Canada, let alone have the plane leave the tarmac. Can we do, can that be my election platform when I run for prime minister? Lower airfares. I'd vote for that. Thank you. And I approve this message. Why don't we give our, uh, our guest a phone call here? Thank goodness I put the winter tires on this week. We have a... Winter uh, Geddon, Snowmageddon, going on outside our studios here in beautiful downtown Scarborough. A lot of people driving with flashers on. It's a terrifying scene. With winter tires, I got them for, oh, something just came out of my throat there. I got them for the first time two winters ago. Game changer. They will change your life. It has changed my life. I'm passing cars with abandon, and I'm only doing 100. They're doing 40. On a major highway across the city, doing 40 with their flashers. I, I don't know. I think guest office. Ring-a-ding-a-ling. And we'll see where Jesse is right now. I don't know. What, I don't even think we asked him what he was doing in Saskatoon. He just sent us a message. I saw you're in town. So Jesse Lumsden. Um, he's been in the Olympics. Had a sniff of the NFL. Played in the CFL. And he is joining us now. Um, Jesse, what were you doing in Saskatoon? I don't think we ever asked you that. <laughs> How's it going? Good, you? Good. 
Yeah, we chatted a bit about it. Uh, I was there. <laughs> it's okay, though. Uh, I was there calling uh, the Canada West or the Hardy semifinal, the Canada West semifinal game. Ah, right. I, uh, you left me tickets and I forgot to go. No, it's okay. You had to go to Winnipeg. <laughs> That's it right. A, it was a good battle between the Huskies and the Golden Bears, though. So, Have you ever, how many times have you been to Saskatoon? Mm, three and it's all to call football games that's it and have you had a great time every time not as good as the last time <laughs> <laughs> that's right you uh, jumped aboard the jay and dan express uh we just yes. mentioned our our last ever um our last podcast stop is in regina this coming weekend so you didn't know what to expect uh you said no. hey i'm in town uh, why don't I come? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Why don't you come on down? Uh, tickets are for sale at the door. You can purchase them there. Uh, yep. <laughs> so you showed up. Um, your thoughts, your um, your unadulterated thoughts on what you saw and witnessed. Well, well, I need to set this. I think I need to set the stage a bit here. <laughs> so I just landed in Saskatoon, getting ready and doing my prep for for the the game the next day on the plane and thinking about where to eat. And I see on my Instagram story. You and Jay posing outside the Broadway theater. And I was like, well, I mean, I heard this Calgary show is great. One of my teammates went to see you guys in Calgary, said it was a lot of fun. So slid, slid you a DM, and, you know, <laughs> thankfully you got back to me and, and hooked me up with a ticket. And uh, off, I, off, I, off I went down the road to, to see what this was all about. And, uh, you know, sat beside a few guys from Saskatoon and Regina. Uh, in the, in the, it was a small theater. Yeah, it's like and it was an old movie theater. It, yeah, so it's a great venue, but the seats are small. <laughs> yeah, and, you are not a small guy. And I'm not. And I'm not a, I'm a really big guy, but it's definitely you know you, it's not like the Cineplex Odeons or the the landmarks where you recline. So I'm, you know, luckily I was the I was the, I was the lone wolf. Uh, they all looked at me a little strange, uh, but they you know welcomed me in and actually gave me a beer and sat down for the show and. When you guys came up on stage, everybody loved it, and uh, and then you know, off you guys went, and 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 it went down a pretty deep, rap, dark rabbit hole pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> and I I didn't know what to expect. I had no expectations going in. So I, you know, uh, I, I like I said, and you said I hopped aboard the the J and Dan Express and yeah. just went along for the ride. Yeah. So you, great. you do, we don't know. We have no roadmap for the evening where it's going to take us. Sometimes. <laughs> We don't know how we're going to get back on track, but we eventually do. I think at one point you just said, well, we should probably start the show. <laughs> and that's when I... <laughs> how was, uh, so that you was had, great. you were in, uh, you were in the thick of it. Um, we always remark on the, uh, the amount of uh, alcohol consumption at our shows. Did you witness yeah. alcohol being consumed at a copious uh, rate? Yes. Yeah. The, the fellow beside me, uh, bless his heart. He was from Regina. Uh, and, and he went, you know, we all have that friend where it's, you know, they're tipsy and they're having a good time, but they're a little loud and, you know, they're one shot or one IPA away from just sliding completely downhill. Well, that was my new buddy to my left and he went downhill in a hurry and he was definitely the drunkest guy in the audience. And so I'm trying to lead closer to the wall because people around are starting to look back at me and being like, are you with this guy? Cause he's ticking seats and yelling stuff and. Was he kicking, like, why is he kicking seats? 
I don't know. He, he was drunk. He got <laughs> drunk. <laughs> At one point, he needed to take a you know take a piss, go to the bathroom. So he he stands up and stands on his seat to step over to the row behind us, thinking that was going to be an easier pass to get through out of uh, the auditorium. Um, it, it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah, Toontown. So, yeah, a lot of people bought tickets uh, uh, from Regina because we didn't announce the Regina show till later. So your thoughts on Regina? That's where we are this weekend. What are the uh, what are the hot spots we need to hit? Oh, God, I don't know. It's Regina. (laughs) (laughs) Do your thing and do your thing and get out. (laughs) Have you been to the Uh, new stadium, the new Ryder Stadium? Yes, it's gorgeous. I heard. They did a great job. Yeah, they did a great job with it. It's uh. Um, you know, it's, well, it's a football stadium. I don't how, know what to tell you. Yeah, it's, but how would it rank next to the old Ivor Wynn? Oh, God. <laughs> well, Ivor Wynn was a, Ivor Wynn was a special place to play football. Uh, you know, partly because of the, the, how close you could be to the fans and how uh, close the fans could be to you. Uh, you know, it's a little bit different. Uh, Ivor Wynn was probably the best, but I remember watching games as a kid in Ivor Wynn. And uh, you could sit in any part of that stadium, and it was, this, the seats were great because you're just on top of the field. Uh, you know, you get into the, the new Rough Rider Stadium. It's that bigger, you know, more elaborate sort of Coliseum-style stadium. It's gorgeous. They did a great job. I just don't know why they didn't put a roof on it. Yeah, good question. I mean, it is yeah, Canada. It, well, that would probably add, add a lot of dollars, obviously. Yeah, but I don't think it was a, a cheap ticket to begin with. I mean, Correct. it's not like they, they, you're in Regina, you know, if it's time to put a roof on it. <laughs> there's, there's the slogan for Regina, <laughs> Regina, it's time to put a roof on it. Uh, getting back to Iverwin, I remember uh, hearing Henry Burris remarks um, on the closing of the stadium. And he told the story. He's like, as the quarterback, you'd always have to give the, the last interview. Like you're the last one talking to the media. And he said, uh, maybe you know this is true or not. He said by the time he got to go into the shower after uh, speaking mm-hmm. to the media, he said the water from the shower was up to his knees <laughs> because it, there That's was a good. slow drainage or something. And just imagine an entire football team's filth that you're standing in to try get clean. Oh yeah, that. Uh, well, you know, it, it was it, it was old. They did. They tried to throw a little lipstick on it, but you know. It's, it was still the same old I ever win. And so the old pipes, old doors, old whatever, I'm sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, that was the case. And, yeah, that'd be pretty gross. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it wasn't the prettiest place to play, but it, I, it was a fun place to play. And the fans were great. Yeah. Unless you were getting your asses kicked, which we did a lot of back then. And then they were relentless. <laughs> um did you get a chance to see the West semifinal this past weekend between the Bombers and Stamps? Because it was minus 22 on the field. Yeah. What is the yeah. coldest game you ever played in in the CFL? Uh, it was probably... Uh, that's a good question. Well, I didn't play in any playoff games when I was in Hamilton. We didn't win, win punch, Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I was with Calgary, it was the last game of the season, and it was a, the the Western final. Um Against Saskatchewan, and it, and it was frigid cold. But you know that college—that uh, was in the CFL. We played a couple really cold college games as well in Hamilton, and then in, in Winnipeg. So it's 
I love playing in the cold as a running back because, you know, guys don't like getting hit. And then I enjoyed hitting people. Uh, my body didn't enjoy it very much. Um, hence, a lot of the time I spent on the sidelines but and on an operating table. But I enjoyed it for some reason. And so, you know, it, everything hurts that much a little bit more when it's that, that cold outside. Uh, so you get a little extra sense of satisfaction when you run over a guy. But two things happen when it's cold, because most Canadians have played catch with a football when it's frigid, and you catch that ball, you can feel it through every single uh, part of your hand because it's like a rock, and the ball feels hard. So oh, yeah. those two things, man, your, your hands just at the end of the game just must be like icicles. Oh, yeah, and you put them in warm water, and they feel like they're on fire. But thankfully, you know, I was just more getting the ball handed off to me, so I didn't have to yeah. to catch the hot passes in from Danny Mack back in the day. <laughs> Danny, <laughs> Danny Mack. <laughs> oh, legendary. Um, hey, I don't. Th- we've never had you on the podcast before. Thank you for uh, joining us. Um, so we've oh, never discussed about your, your athletic journey. I, I introduced you as Canadian sports royalty because you've – played in the CFL, you had a sniff at the NFL, and now you've been in, what, two Olympics now? Three? Three. Three Olympics. Olympics, Okay, so we'll get to the Olympics in a a second. So your sniff of the NFL, tell us about that, because you were with Washington, and you were with Seattle as well, right? Yeah, so I I signed as an undrafted free agent uh, with Seattle first uh, in 2000, and it would have been five. So it was a pretty eye-opening experience for me. Um, I realized very quickly that, you know, it's it's a different world. And I made my way through training camp and got released about halfway through and uh, did a lot of growing up uh, as a player and as a, as a person at that training camp. Um, but it, it was just a spectacle that, you know, you go from Canadian college football to the NFL. And they're like two different planets. How many um, guys would be at that training camp? Oh, 200? No, not that many. Uh, that's a good question, though. And I, to be honest with you, I don't know. I can't remember. Probably 85, maybe 85, 90. And they dwindle, dwindle it down pretty quick. Uh, and then through spring through spring camps and mini camps and stuff like that as for the rookies. And then you get into main camp. There's, I'm sure you can, you know, somebody listening right now who's a bigger NFL fan than I am will know the actual numbers and when you have to be by... Uh, your your main roster uh, and all that sort of stuff, um, but there's a lot of guys and a lot of talent and a lot of good athletes, and it's and, and you're fighting for you know your place at the table. Um, it's intense, and I, you know that helped me a lot going into Hamilton. And then the next year, I signed with the Redskins as a free agent, and I had a much better just overall experience as a player and as a person, uh, and. And uh, going into week one, actually, was when I got released. Clinton Portis got hurt going into that week. And it was myself, Liddell Betts, and Rock Cartwright in the running back position. And they said that they weren't going to go into the season. They weren't sure if Clinton was going to be injured for long. So they uh, signed T.J. Duckett. And then I got bumped off the totem pole after day one of, of week one. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's, yeah, and that, that, that's, you know, that's just how it goes. So, and they didn't put you uh, on the practice roster? No, they ended up taking a fullback that was on the practice roster from a year before. Uh, you know, he had a year under his belt. He was a, you know, a proven guy. And so it was um, my agent called around to a couple other teams, and I had some good showings in preseason at, uh, against the Ravens and against the Jets. Uh, 
but they had already solidified the rosters. And again, I, an unknown guy. It just uh, so you know, I hopped in my car and drove back to to Hamilton. And it was I think I was on the field a week after that. So you mentioned the practice roster. Well, I did um, in the NFL, and <laughs> and people hear that and they're like, well, why would you want to play on the practice roster? But the practice roster salaries are a lot of the times better than the CFL salaries. Back then, for sure. I mean, I think the you know the the salaries improved uh, quite a bit since you know since I was playing in the early uh, to late O's of the 2000 era, uh, and you know, but practice roster you can make it a solid living, and it, it's just it's just whether you want to be you know you're day in day out you're on scout team and you're just breaking your balls and, and breaking yourself to get the team ready. It's you know. It's like Rudy, except you're getting paid a lot of money to be Rudy on the field. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a selfless position for sure, and it, and it really is in hopes of that you will get an opportunity to crack the roster. Uh, would I have taken that practice roster spot if it was offered to me? Probably. Um, you know that was where I wanted to be at the time, and then after getting released and then getting back to Hamilton, that's when I realized I I, I just wanted to play football. Yeah, um, and Hamilton was a great place to be, and it was a great organization. Even though we weren't winning a ton of games, it was a great organization to be a part of. And uh, you know, finished out that season, and then you know, got hurt for the first time really in my career the, the following season. Um, last question about the NFL: What surprised you more about the NFL experience and the players, the size or the speed? Um, the the size, I think, because the speed is a big misconception. And, you know, people kind of look at me funny when I say that, but uh, I look at the CFL and I look at the speed of playing the CFL and I actually think in some cases it's faster because you generally have smaller athletes on the field. Um, it's like if you're if you hear the singing in the background, that's that's my daughter. She's cranking uh, <laughs> off some, some Lionel Richie. Um <laughs> But it's like taking a CFL field and then fold it in half, turn it into a rectangle, and that's the size of the field you play on in the NFL. The holes open and close that much quicker. The sidelines come up to you that much quicker. Uh, it's just a smaller surface. So on TV, it looks like it's a lot faster. But in fact, it, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty similar. And I would, you know, again, give the nod to the CFL and uh, the difficulty of the CFL with the, the ability to utilize waggle and motion uh, from a from a defensive perspective, at least. But the size is definitely, you know, the, the old linemen down there are all six, 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 seven, three hundred plus pounds. The, the linebackers are built like CFL D linemen. Um, you know, DBs. You can get some. I mean, we've had some CFL guys go down as a DB. Brandon Browner uh, is a good example, who's my size and he's playing cornerback. Um, so it's that 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 definitely was the big the big eye opener. So your CFL experience um, filled with injury. Um, yeah. What are what are the the takeaways when you look back at your CFL career and you say, I will always remember that. I'll always remember that, and I don't miss that. Uh, I don't miss. Uh, this is a podcast, right? Yes. I mean, so I don't miss bull like in all sports. It, it comes in every sport at every I'm glad level. you just and realized what you were on. Thank yeah, you. Well, for... I not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Okay, well, yeah, so continue. I, I know it's a podcast. Oh, yeah, you can swear. Think... Okay, well, there you go. Um, but, the, you know, the guys that I played with were fantastic. I, you know, I have lifelong friends, uh, and that's really, 
at the end of the day, what you remember the most, and that's coming from a guy who didn't win a great cup, so that's really my only answer. And the only option I have is the people that I played with. But if you talk to a lot of the guys, it is, you know, I loved game day. I loved going to battle on the field. Um, and the guys that I met along the way, uh, you know, I keep in touch with a lot of them still because they're just great people. And then you're able to form that bond and a relationship with a lot of them. And, ha- and in the CFL, you get to have a lot of fun doing it, which is great. So a lot of fond memories, a lot of crappy memories too with the injuries. And how is um, your body now? Uh, some of it's okay. Some of it sucks. <laughs> We're getting through. We're yeah, getting like well. your shoulders still issue probably. Yeah, my shoulders. Uh, the that's probably the the number one issue. I've I had three surgeries on it. Um, I might need another one to clean it up a little bit. So just trying to work my way around that as best as possible, but. Uh, had had my knee done as well. My knee feels great, um, thankfully, because going into almost a decade of bobsleigh, uh, you know, that would have that would have caused some grief for sure. So you, you go from the the CFL playing football to an Olympian. Do you make yeah. that call to bobsled Canada? Do they call you? How does that begin? Yeah, that was uh, you know. Uh, interesting. So I was, this was in 2000 and going into the 2009 season, I was going into free agency and I got a call from a guy by the name of Matt Hindle, who is the high performance director. And, uh, he, they had excess, uh, cash to spend because the 2010 games was coming up. So they had some better funding. And so they were doing a bit of a, they call it a blue chip recruiting camp when they were bringing a handful of athletes that have, uh, you know, sort of, check the boxes of the uh, physical attributes you need to be a good uh, bobsleigh crewman uh, or a push athlete, whatever you want to call us. And so, you know, I was looking at it like, well, I got to stay focused on football. It was actually my dad who said, don't be a fool. Go out there for two weeks. You know, you're going to train some train with some world-class athletes. You get away from this football. It's going to make you a better athlete. And you never know what can happen. So um, thankfully, you know, cooler heads and with with my my dad i was actually in his kitchen when they when i was on the phone with him um and he was there to to to, to kind of show me the door and push me through it a little bit because when i got there you know i realized this is uh, such a unique opportunity uh, you know the one thing i was always envious of of other uh, canadian athletes is in football you don't necessarily really get to represent your country and i always thought that was the best thing the best you know uniform you could you could ever wear yeah the, uh, the olympic experience jay and i we've broadcast uh what uh, we did vancouver we did sochi we did london and we just did south korea so we've done four um and we do it as broadcasters but we immerse ourselves in the entire experience i can't imagine what it's like to be an athlete in that because each one i come away from and i say to myself i can't possibly like a sporting event more than the olympics yeah, it's awesome. It's just, you know, you get the world together, you get some extraordinary people doing extraordinary things, but you get like these very, very cool stories that go along with it. And it is, you know, I, I've always loved how Grey Cup Week brings everybody from Canada together to celebrate and have a great time. The Olympics brings the world together to do that. And you and I chatted about it a little bit in Saskatoon, just how much fun you can have and with how many people you meet and and you guys did a, you know, I didn't see much of the Fox broadcast you guys did in Sochi, but when you're in Korea, 
everybody was tuning in to see what you guys were doing. And you, you, it looked like you guys were having more fun than most of the people <laughs> that had, went there to party. Well, we had a blast because Canada House, we've mentioned this before in the podcast, it's where all the athletes and their families hang out. Before it was... Those were the only people allowed. Now you can get tickets, you can go hang out, and it becomes uh, a Canadian island at the Olympics. You see the same people every day, you ask them about their day, you become a Canadian family, everyone that's there uh, at the Olympics. I mean, you nailed it right there. And, uh, you know, it's funny because you go into Canada House and then all of a sudden the Arkells get flown in and they're playing a concert and there with you know other athletes uh, and then some parents of athletes and you're all having a few beers and, and jamming out at a, in a rock band in in Pyeongchang, Korea. I know. So where else in the world can can that happen? It's just it's such a ran, it's such a you know this epic randomness uh, and everybody just has a you know a great time doing it. Um, you you mentioned Arkells. We had to leave the day before they were to arrive and. You mentioned that band. Today I received this text. Hey, Dan, Max from Arkells. We're in Peterborough Friday. If your fam is around and keen for a show, we'd love to have them out. So I said, Max, you son of a What a great text to get. I really appreciate the offer, but we're in Regina Friday for our podcast tour. This is a massive bummer. He responded with, well, I wasn't inviting you. I was inviting your family. Remember them? He's a beauty. Yeah. Uh, he was at he was at Mac when I was at Mac, and I we've got to know each other a little bit, and uh, you know I've fanboyed uh, as they've grown and, and um, done their thing, and um, actually one of the first dates uh, I took my wife on was at uh, my wife's concert at Mac Hall. My wife, <laughs> yes, my wife. <laughs> Uh, that, my wife. Yeah, the <laughs> oh, there it is. Thank you. Um, what's your top speed you've reached in a bobsled? 156 kilometers. 156. And you have fl- you've been in one that's flipped. I've been in yeah. I've been in about 15 crashes. They crash um, quite often. So when well, that happens, what do you do? Yeah, you tuck, hold tight, try to kiss the floor. It's literally what you try to do. Because it's, yeah, it's, it, thankfully, most crashes look worse than they actually are. But you just really try to get low, keep your head off the ice, keep your head from getting smashed into a short wall or something like that. And, uh, yeah, there's this moment, there's like a fraction of a second. And after you've been in a few crashes, you kind of know this fraction of a second where everything just goes very quiet. <laughs> and then all hell ensues. Uh, what's... <laughs> What's a better rush? A great run in the bobsled when you get to the bottom, you're like, oh my God, we are going the speed of light, or a great run where you, you peel off a, a touchdown or like a 40 yard run uh, in the CFL. What is the better feeling where you're like, man, I wish I could just bottle this? That's a great question. Um, this, the thing about bobsled runs, good bobsled runs, is you don't necessarily get to see it as a crewman, but you feel it and you see the time and you're like, that was awesome. And it, and it is an adrenaline rush, but I'm going to have to go with the touchdown. Yeah. It's just yeah, seeing daylight when you're breaking through a hole and then, you know, running down the field with your teammates and having people chase you and getting to that end zone. And it's, it's pretty special. Speaking of That's touchdowns, we've shown it a million times on our show. The Kerwin Bell, where he scores the touchdown, spikes the ball, hits himself in the bag. Then he falls over someone else. Have you seen that? 
I, I think so. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I should have seen it. <laughs> okay, YouTube <laughs> that tonight. A Kerwin <laughs> Bell okay. touchdown. It's the greatest highlight we ever show on our show. You know what I realized <laughs> while doing this? I think you played the only two sports in which cowbells are prevalent in the stands at both. Yeah. And absolutely. maybe if you were a downhill skier, that would be the only, the third one. Yeah, I'm not doing that. That ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are freaking nuts. Oh, yeah. We've had uh, Manny Osborne parody on here. And we're like, you are like, you are a millimeter away from crashing at all times in downhill skiing. The entire time. Yes. You're just on the verge of crashing. <laughs> and they're going just as fast as, you know, they're going 150 kilometers, but except they're on skis. See, like those, those guys, that, they do it for the rush, a thousand percent. Oh, yeah, there's a couple screws. Loose. I know Manny well, and he's, I mean, he's held on by duct tape and surgical staples, <laughs> and that guy is just, a, a, you know, he's an all-star across the board in every category. Yeah. And he's a hell, of a hell of a ski racer, but holy smokes, Manny. <laughs> it's terrifying. It is. Um, what is the best uh, bobsled track you've ever been on in the world? Because you've been on probably all of them, right? Uh, just about. Haven't been on Nagano, and I haven't been on uh, Cortina, Italy. That one got shut down. Um, but Saint Moritz is the best in the world, in Saint, and it's in Switzerland. And the reason it's the best in the world is because they make it out of ice and snow every year. There's only two corners that are. Um, permanently fixed in as concrete the rest is a new track every time you go and it's through the forest it's, a, it's just a very very cool experience so it sounds um, like a like a like a toboggan run it's it's like the best toboggan run you can ever go on except if you crash because the ice then it's a disaster <laughs> it's pebbly it can burn you really really badly don't crash everything else is smooth yeah it's, it's fantastic and then you go to the top and have a little cappuccino at the bob bar and uh, bask in the Switzerland chocolate and sunlight. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, have you looked it up? Are you the only CFLer turned Olympian? Uh, Bob Sledder? Uh, I don't think so. Chad, uh, Chad Rempel came out the year I came out. Um, he didn't end up making the team. He went back to play uh, football. And then uh, Sam Jaguer has slid a couple of years as well. Uh, I think he retired last year from football, and I'm not sure if he's going to come back to bobsleigh or not. So there's definitely been a few of us. Okay. I mean, Herschel Walker, Herschel Walker paved the way yes. for football players and bobsleigh. Uh, final question. Uh, you don't wear a lot of clothing when bobsledding. Um, are those uniforms insulated, or are you freezing the entire time? They're not insulated. It's just straight-up lycra. Um, you wear a, a you wear a vest underneath that's made of Kevlar. Uh, it's called a burn vest to prevent you know if you do crash. I uh, usually don't wear it during races because uh, of weight restrictions. But in, when you're in training, you wear a burn vest. So if you roll over and your shoulders on the ice, it doesn't melt off essentially. Um, but you wear you, you essentially you're at the you you're in a full snowsuit with your race suit underneath. You go to the start line. A green light goes off. You have 60 seconds to to go. Uh, you peel off all your clothes quickly. You get in the sled. You're done in a minute, and you have a bet. Your, your adrenaline's pumping so much to the bottom, you can't even really feel the cold until you calm down. But, yeah, I usually have a bag at the bottom waiting for you with more winter clothes so you can throw it on pretty quick. So, so there are no heated, not, there's no heated seats in the bobsled? Oh, God, no. You're sitting on, you're sitting on <laughs> carbon fiber and steel. Oh. It is as uncomfortable as it gets. Um, and last question, I promise. How did they get the bobsleds from the bottom of the hill back 
to the top? A truck. A truck? Yeah. There's no elevator. No elevator. They throw them in a a Dodge Ram. uh, Usually like a big flat deck. In oh. Russia, they were in Sochi. They were some sort of Cold War, <laughs> yeah. You know, Unimog, some type of machine that I've never seen before, and I never want to be in again. Um, but yeah, just giant trucks. We have like these things that we call scabbards at the bottom. We put them over the steel uh, runners that we slide on, so we don't damage them. We slide around to a truck, pile in, and uh, back to the top we go. How do you explain Russia to people? Because when people ask me about my experience uh, covering the Sochi Olympics, they go, like, how was Russia? My response is, it was Russia. It was Russia. <laughs> yeah, it was Russia. Think of, like, when somebody says it was Russia, and you just kind of go, yeah, I get it. Yeah. You don't need to explain it beyond that. The movies do a pretty good job of <laughs> nailing, the, nailing it on the head there. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it has its... It has its uh, it has its charms. Oh, it does. I just I have one suggestion for the Russians: maybe a smile. Maybe yes, just maybe just one a year. Yes, they're uh, they're uh, they're a little, little little tough to warm up to. Yes, but, but you get into, you get into the vodka with them, though. You know, have and, a couple, and and if you just, ever say dasvidaniya to a Russian, I don't know what it is. You say dasvidaniya, which is like good night. They yeah. they smile from ear to ear. If you just say those words, I don't know what it is, but if you see uh, someone in Russia at night, just say Dasvidaniya, and they're your friend for life, or at least for the next two seconds. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, exactly. Well, you know, like they, they will warm up, and they're lovely people. Uh, you just got to break down a couple walls that to get to them. They're softies at heart. Eggs, well, aren't we all? Aren't we all? We're human. We all bleed red. We all enjoy a glass of vodka every once in a while. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, that's all we had. We had vodka and McDonald's our entire time there. Because we went to the, the, as you know, uh, Olympians. Well, you guys got free McDonald's. We didn't, but it was the only food that we kind of knew. Yeah, it's the food. uh, That's another thing, you know, to the Russians. A couple cooking classes, maybe. That might (laughs) (laughs) get get Chef Ramsey over there. Run a couple workshops you'll be laughing yeah but yeah the food was tough the food was tough oh well we survived uh and we survived this podcast jesse really appreciate you coming on can't <laughs> wait to see you uh in regina this coming friday night am, am i coming to regina <laughs> yeah you oh you don't know you, yes you're booked in that show am i okay perfect uh i will see you uh, friday night okay thanks buddy thanks Josie. talk to you later buddy that's uh jesse lumsden um Olympian, CFLer, all-around great guy. Uh, Stoff and him did not get along at all. I don't know what happened between you two. Big bar brawl. <laughs> now everyone gets along with Stoff. Okay, so yeah, the, the last Western stop of the Jan Dan Podcast Tour is this coming Friday. What the hell is the date of that, Stoff? That would be five days from now, <laughs> by my calculations. The <laughs> November 15th. 15th yes. <laughs> November 15th. Go to eventbrite.ca. A handful of tickets left. All depends on the size of your hands. Um, uh, it's guaranteed to be a good time. Uh, special guests. Let's uh, send 2019 out in style. Uh, Regina, we're diving into you for the entire weekend, as we'll be at the Regina Pats game on Saturday night as well. Hopefully Jay's well enough to... F- oh, we should check in. Um... Maybe he's had time to 
to get better, but uh, we've got Jay again on the line. Uh, Jay, how you feeling? Oh, my. Oh. Uh. Okay, so uh, I guess he's still... Now it's uh, reached his um, posterior. At least he ditched the cough. You know what I always find when you, you find yourself in that situation? You're like, well, I guess all the bad's leaving. A lot of it. Oh, uh, stuff! I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, um, I got a lot of reaction to a tweet. I very rare, very rare, very rare, very rarely tweet anymore. But um, I was telling my daughters um, over breakfast, I'm like, you know what? So when I get up. I weigh myself, and then I go pee, and then I weigh myself again. I weigh myself after I pee every morning because the, it's right there. I'm like, why not? Do a little science experiment every morning. Sometimes my pee is almost a pound. That's a lot of water, Tulsi. But everyone was like, oh, I wonder if you, you do it for uh, number two before and after. I'm like, no, because I do that in a different bathroom, and the scale's not there, so I only do it for pee. But what if the weight went up? <laughs> How would you go on with your day? I would be rattled. Yeah, Sometimes I, I, I have so. peed and there was no change in weight. I'm like, how did that happen? So anyway, when you find me dead in my home when I'm older, I'll just have a log of my weight before pee, after pee, for like 23 years straight. And would you like for me to take the last measurement at that point? <laughs> but you'd have to squeeze it out of me. Hey, what are friends for? <laughs> Stuff, you've never been to Regina, right? I am. All right. Here we come. Yeah, we got that primo 7 a.m. flight out of Toronto on Friday. Love it. After doing the show Thursday night, in which we don't leave this place until 1 a.m. So we will be primed and ready to go. Luckily, I have no problem sleeping on a plane. I think we've mastered that. (laughs) Yes. Uh, okay, so we'll see you, Regina. Thanks. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Jay uh, will be in Regina. We guarantee it. Uh, we might have to weekend at Bernie's him, but he will be there. <laughs> we'll get him there. Which would be great. Well, well we got the show must go on, right? He's dead, but... Uh, and then you just backstage. Oh, Jay, you funny guy. You just got to play the hits. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, thanks. See ya. They're going home!
This is the Jay and Dan Podcast.